Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics and Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 109. So my friends, this week I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm not intending on doing this frequently, but I thought it was apt. So I'm actually redoing the Rise of Kylo Ren comics. So anyone who's been with me since the start, which was I think about two and a half years ago now, will remember that I started doing the Rise of Kylo Ren. That's why I did the first episode. But that was kind of before I found my footing with Star Wars comics in canon. I hadn't really figured out exactly what I wanted to do. And also, obviously, now I do spoil things as I go through them. I give you all the plot details so you don't have to pick up those comics. When I did The Rise of Kylo Ren initially, I didn't spoil the ending because A, I think the comics had only been out for like a few weeks at that point, but also I was thinking I wasn't going to spoil things and then kind of as the show progressed, I was like, no, this isn't going to work in the format in which I wanted to do. So this is somewhat of a rehash from episode one. However, I will say since doing that, there have been a lot more connections made uh, because obviously Charles Saul wrote these Rise of Kylo Ren comics. And since then, he's been involved with the High Republic, with Crimson Reign and more of the Bounty Hunters and all those other crossover events and things. So there are a lot more connections in this episode than there are in episode one. I will say if you've not listened to episode one and you want to hear a little bit about the Rise of Kylo Ren comics, but you don't want the ending spoiled, then go check out episode one and you'll have exactly what you asked for. But with that in mind, I'm just going to continue on as usual. But I will say if you've never joined Star Wars Comics in Canon before, hello there. Thank you for joining. Uh, But I say I, I go through each of the comics in chronological order. I go into the plot details and things, and along the way I talk about some of the other connections to other content, tidbits of information and trivia that I find intriguing, and things like that, a bit more information on certain characters. So that is what I'm going to be doing this week. And I will say as well, make sure you check out my Crimson Rain crossover event issue episodes I've been doing, uh, because with the current runs of Dr. Aphra, Darth Vader, Bounty Hunters, and Star Wars, all of them in the 2020 runs, there have been big crossover events. There was War of the Bounty Hunters, uh, Crimson Rain has finished recently, and I've only got one more episode to do on Crimson Rain, and Hidden Empire is starting in, I believe, October time. And one of the things that kind of made me want to do this redo of the Rise of Kylo Ren is because the Knights of Ren have actually been appearing elsewhere in the canon quite a lot more. When I first did this episode, it was basically The Force Awakens and The Rise of Skywalker, and that was pretty much it. But since then, they've been appearing in loads of other places. And last week's episode specifically, episode 108, where I tackled Crimson Rain number four, the fourth issue of Crimson Rain is all focusing around the Knights of Ren. They actually break into Vader's castle on Mustafar. So check that episode out. Even if you haven't checked out all the other Crimson Rain things, I would obviously recommend starting with Crimson Rain number one, uh, which I think I tackled in episode 102 of Comics and Canon, so go check that out. Also, if you're listening on YouTube, just check out the playlist. There's a playlist, I believe it's called War of the Bounty Hunters, and within that you've got the War of the Bounty Hunters that then bleeds into Crimson Rain, or just type in Crimson Rain into the podcast app of your choice. However you listen, you will be able to find it. But I would say listen to the last episode because there's lots of cool stuff about the Knights of Ren. 
But with that all in mind, my friends, let's delve into the information of this issue. So, The Rise of Kylo Ren, it is written by Charles Saul, the artwork is by Will Sliney, and the colour artist is Guru EFX. The first issue was released December 18th, 2019, issue number 4 was released March 11th, 2020, and the trade paperback collection was released August 11th, 2020. So delving into the story, there's no crawl for this one. I've noticed that Charles Saul seems to not really do crawls in the first issue of stuff that he does. I think he lets the story tell you where it is. But with that in mind, we'll just delve straight into it. So it starts off and it says it's long ago and it's got someone called Ren who talks to a couple of people who are being hunted. He offers the force sensitive one of the two to join him if he can provide a good death because there are security forces sent after the duo, and the Knights of Ren have basically taken all the ones out, but there will be more coming. So of the two of them, one seems to be uh, an older one, who may be a brother or something, and then there's the younger one. So the older one just kills the younger one in front of them, and Ren says, although I appreciate your attitude and your spirit, you can't touch the shadow. So Ren then kills him, and both of those people they saved are dead. So the Knights of Ren leave, and they go and find something to burn. And that's a sort of prologue. So let's give a bit more context to this part. So the Knights of Ren are all Force-sensitive. That's been confirmed. And the Shadow is basically the dark side of the Force. Now, the leader of the Knights of Ren is someone called Ren. He is a human who wears this grey mask with like a red marking on the front of it. But the Ren is the name of their lightsaber. So they worship this lightsaber. It's a red lightsaber, unsurprisingly. And the leader of the Knights of Ren has to kill the prior leader of the Knights of Ren, and then they take up the name Ren as a nod to this lightsaber that they worship. We don't know how long the lightsaber's been about. I suspect that in the High Republic, the Knights of Ren are going to pop up again because it's been mentioned in Crimson Rain and a few other places that the Knights of Ren have been around for centuries in different iterations of them, but they have been a thing for centuries. And they used to be galaxy feared. They used to be, you know, widely terrifying. But as it's gone on, people are just less and less scared of them, especially with the rise of the Sith and the Empire and things. People just aren't scared of them because Darth Vader is just way more powerful and more scary than any of them. So going forward, when I mention Ren, I'm going to be referring to the person Ren, the human with the mask on and things. Because the lightsaber, I'm probably not going to mention it much again, apart from when I specifically say Ren's lightsaber, just to make it easier, just to stop confusion. But Ren himself, he is topless for almost all the time. He's got his helmet on, and then he also has, you know, some normal trousers or pants for American listeners. But Ren's chest is covered in burns and scars. However, in Crimson Rain, his chest is seemingly unscathed. Now, Crimson Rain is set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, so it's around three to four years after the Battle of Yavin, so three, four, ABY. The Rise of Kylo Ren comics, this is set when the flashback happens of The Last Jedi, when Luke stands over Kylo and he's sleeping, ignites his lightsaber, and then Kylo brings down the hut. That's obviously when Kylo calls himself Ben, which we will get into shortly. But that sort of time, I think, is around five years before The Force Awakens. I think they haven't explicitly confirmed when that actually occurs, but I think it's about five years. So The Force Awakens takes place 34 years after the Battle of Yavin, so five years before that is about 29 years before the Battle of Yavin. So the events of Crimson Reign and the events of the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, they are approximately 20 to 25 years apart. That's seemingly how much it is, you know, approximately. 
So at some point, I imagine maybe there's going to be a Knights of Ren miniseries or something set, but once we kind of get to the end of Hidden Empire, which obviously is the sequel to Crimson Reign, I imagine maybe in that, Ren is going to face off against Vader again, and then maybe he's going to get heavily burned. I, I suspect that Vader's the reason he gets burned. That's purely just me guessing. Uh, I don't know any other information about the Knights of Ren or anything about Hidden Empire, but that's what I would presume, or maybe he gets like electrocuted by Palpatine or something like that. I don't know. But it would be interesting to see what the Knights of Ren kind of get up to. I wouldn't be surprised if there's either a mini-series or an ongoing series on the Knights of Ren once we see them go back further, once we see them in the High Republic era, which obviously all the members of the Knights of Ren at the moment wouldn't be alive then because they all seem to be humanoid and don't, and most humanoids seem to live around 100-ish. Uh, it does depend when you scale up when you get things like Wookiees and there's I think the grand species they also live for hundreds of years and obviously you get other people like Yoda and Quermians which is what Yariel Proof is you've also got Mars Kanata so there are obviously exceptions to the rule but the general rule of thumb is about 100 years for most people so the Knights of Ren seem to change obviously certain members of the Knights of Ren die as well but I am very intrigued to see how far back it goes of the Knights of Ren and where they kind of stemmed from where the lightsaber came from why the name Ren those sorts of things but the last thing I'll say about this sort of prologue and a bit more background information on the Knights of Ren is that the name of the the members of the Knights of Ren so there's normally six knights and then there's also the leader Ren so the six members at the time of this sequel trilogy I believe at the time of The Force Awakens are Cardo, Vikral, Usha, Trudgeon, Kuruk, and Aplek. Now, Cardo and Vikral are in the Crimson Rain comics, but the other four are not so I'm sure we'll get to see at some point how the transition happened there. So that's Knights of Ren stuff, so now we move on to the rest of the story. So it shows now, and now it's showing Ben Solo standing facing Luke's temple, which is on fire. It's burning, and he's holding his blue lightsaber, which is ignited. Now, we know that Luke's temple is on a planet called Ossus. You get to see it in, obviously, The Last Jedi. You see it in The Force Awakens very briefly in, like, a vision. And you also got to see it in The Book of Boba Fett when there's those sort of Mandalorian-centric episodes. But the reason we know it's on Ossus is because in the book by Adam Christopher, Shadow of the Sith, which I did do a little book review of a few weeks back, that's when you find out a bit of information about it. Now, Ossus has got history in canon and in Legends. Basically, both of them say that there's a really, really old Jedi temple there. And both of them say also there was, like, an old library of some sort back then and it's just one of those really old sites so with ben solo standing there staring at this temple you then see in the background a ship flies nearby and there are three students who fly to the temple these three students are Henix, vo and ty Henix is a quorum vo is a human female and ty is a human male who is bold now Henix, the quorum quorum you'll have seen in lots of other styles content they're in i think the original trilogy they're in mandalorian book of boba fett they are basically squid-faced people uh, they're from the planet mon cala they share the planet it with the Mon Calamari. The Mon Calamari is Akbar's species, you know, Admiral Akbar, and the Quarren are basically just a squidish version in a way. Uh, you see them in lots of places. But they're the three Padawans that you see land and they see what's happened to the temple. So they go up to Ben and they ask what's happened, and Ben says, Well, Luke tried killing me in my sleep, so he's killed Luke, and then tells the trio to leave. Obviously, the trio are in complete disbelief about this. They highly doubt that Ben killed Luke, but also they suspect that Luke didn't just ignite his lightsaber and try to kill him in his sleep, even though we obviously know that is exactly what happened. Ben is obviously clearly frustrated by this. He's just had a very tumultuous time of it, and he's telling the three of them to leave. He's stronger than all three of them put together. So he just wants to leave and go figure himself out. Henix and Vo then draw their lightsabers, and Ben notes that they're all afraid of him but he says, I don't want to be forced to fight you. If you force me to fight you, I can't be held responsible for what happens. 
Vo then launches at Ben, and he just uses the force to throw her at Hennix, and he confirms he wants to leave, but they won't let him. He then lifts all of them up with the force, and tries to kind of throw them a bit, and in doing so, some of the rubble from the destroyed temple and huts and things stabs Hennix. It's a big chunk of wood. Ben then decides to leave, and then the trio decide to take Hennix onto their ship to try and get him to heal. Ben Solo gets onto his ship and then flies away, but the trio pursue him. Ben then outmaneuvers them, flies his ship, and then manages to shoot their ship, disables it, and then flies away. So the trio ship is obviously disabled, and they note that if Ben missed his shot by even a metre or so, they would have died. So obviously Ben very specifically was trying to disable their ship and not kill them. Ben, while flying away, then thinks about what just happened. And you get to see what happened slightly before Ben was standing there looking at the, the temple burning. So Ben hears some sort of voice, and he thinks of the clash with Luke from Last Jedi, which obviously we get to see. He leaves the hut after collapsing it in onto Luke, and then he stares at the temple, and this storm seems to destroy it, this storm of lightning and things. Now, in this comic, it seems that the destruction of the temple is seem somewhat ambiguous, but it's confirmed in later on, I think in issue four, but also in other content, that it was Ben who did it in anger. He just let out this massive amount of rage, and in doing so, it let out a lightning storm, which then destroyed the temple. So although he didn't explicitly choose to do it, he is still the cause of the temple being destroyed, and whoever was potentially in there clearly died from it. So Ben, after pondering that and things, he tries to work out where to go from here. Meanwhile, the trio want to pursue Ben. Hennix notes that Ben's droid on his ship gives that a signal, so they use that to track him. They then talk about how else they can try and help. Maybe they could contact Leia or something, but then they decide, yeah, it's probably not best to tell Ben's mum that he's killed his uncle. So they decide not to do that. So Ben then decides to visit Snoke, and it goes elsewhere. And it doesn't explicitly say where this is, but I've looked online after I had some thoughts about this, and it seems to be correct. So the place that Ben has actually met Snoke is in a Maxine station. Now, if you're a reader of The High Republic, specifically Claudia Gray's book, Into the Dark, that's actually where a lot of it is set. That's where the Drengear came from. Now, if you want to hear a little bit more information about the Drengear and about a Maxine station and the book Into the Dark, I released a book review for that in October of 2021. So you can check that out, obviously, in YouTube playlist there's book review playlist there's a high republic playlist or you can just type in into the dark book review anyway listen to podcasts you will find that as i said october 2021 but it's really interesting because when i read this for the first time it was when the high republic was only just kicking off so obviously charles saul knew about this he knew exactly what he was doing and it's another reason why i wanted to do this redo because there are so many little connections to other content that's really really interesting but yeah, so Snoke is on this Amaxine station. Obviously, it's been completely abandoned because, you know, High Republic 250-odd years prior to this. And when Ben visits Snoke there, he thinks he's killed Luke Skywalker. Snoke is unsure about that. And Ben is just frustrated about everything. And then he asks Snoke about the Knights of Ren. And that is where issue number one ends. So let's move on to issue number two. So Snoke and Ben are talking and Ben notes that he hates his name. He never met Obi-Wan and also he says that the name Solo is a lie. It's not even Solo's actual surname, he just kind of got it. Then Snoke receives a communication from Brendel Hux. It goes to his droid and he tells his droid, nope, not right now, I'm in the middle of something, tell Brendel I'll contact him back. And Ben is like, who is that? And Snoke's like, look, don't worry about it, I've got other friends aside from you. But anyway, you need to find a new name for yourself if the Knights of Ren are going to take you seriously, because you can't just be Ben Solo Jedi. Now, before we delve further into that, I just want to say Brendel Hux. So obviously yourselves would probably recognize the name Hux, because that is General Hux from 
the sequel trilogy. Let's try and ignore the fact that his character got ruined in The Rise of Skywalker. But his first name is Armitage. But his dad is Brendel Hux. Now, Brendel Hux and young Armitage are actually featuring in the Aftermath trilogy of books by Chuck Wendig. Now, I love that trilogy of books. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I really recommend people check it out. But be aware that some people don't like Chuck Wendig's writing style. I personally never had a problem with it. But you know, I thought I'd highlight that. But Brendel Hux and a group of Imperial Remnant after the Battle of Jakku, which obviously is when the Empire is, it's kind of the Empire's final battle. Brendel, Armitage, and a few others go off into the unknown regions of space trying to carry out one of the Emperor's contingency plans. So Brendel Hux was first there in the Aftermath trilogy, but you actually get to see him a lot more in the Phasma book by, I think it's Delilah L. Dawson who did the Phasma book. And that's where Armitage is a lot more older. And that's when he's sort of um, more of a young adult than like a kid, which is what he was in Aftermath. And Brendel Hux was in charge of the First Order's like brainwashing programs where they abduct children and make them indoctrinated into the First Order, that sort of thing. But Armitage actually conspired with Phasma to kill Brendel Hux. And when they did that, I believe it was like not traced back to them. It was some sort of poison or something like that. And in doing so, then Armitage basically rose to the rank that Brendel was. So obviously at this point, Brendel is still alive. So Phasma hasn't really got involved in the First Order quite yet at this point. But I'd always find that, A, I like telling people that General Hux's first name is Armitage. I find that quite entertaining. Uh, but also, yeah, that a lot of people don't know much about Brendel Hux, which obviously is Armitage's dad. But back to the story. So after Snoke tells Ben he needs to find a new name, Ben does note that he thought of a name from when he was a kid, but is a bit unsure about it. Snoke says, look, when you're a kid, you don't have to worry about all these other things. You're kind of pure, untainted. Keep that name. Think about it. You know, stick to it. But he does also note that there is a price to join the Knights of Ren. Ben doesn't really want to hear about this, and he doesn't care. So he just says, fine, where are the Knights of Ren? And Snoke says that Ben must find them himself, but a good place to start would probably be where he first met them. And you may be asking, well, where did he first met them? Well, have no fear, that's where the story goes. So, the next panel will show that years earlier, you've got Luke Skywalker, Law Santeca, and a young Ben Solo go to a Jedi temple on Ephrona. So Elfrona, um, or Elfrona, E-L-P-H-R-O-N-A, that is a place that is in the High Republic, another connection. It's mentioned in Light of the Jedi, I believe at the start, that's where Bell's Etifar and Loader Great Storm are, but it's also in Star Wars number 25, written by Charles Saul. Uh, that's Kylo Ren's got a story there, so if you've read that, there's a little nudge to it there, but it's not really in the canon a huge amount aside from that, but I suspect it's going to be in the High Republic a bit more. But also Law Santeca. Law Santeca is the old gentleman at the start of The Force Awakens. He also features fairly heavily in the later issues of the Poe Dameron comics, also written by Charles Saul. And also the Santeca clan are actually in the High Republic once again, because the Santeca clan, along with the Graf family, are two of the major families responsible for hyperspace lanes. So they were some of the hyperspace prospectors, I think they're called. So when the Republic was expanding things, obviously hyperspace lanes are in essence obviously you think about like a motorway or a highway and things like that in sort of the modern world well obviously someone has to create that lane someone has to go there cut through or build upon fields or go through hills or whatever that's kind of what hyperspace lanes are hyperspace lanes work because it's a course that is not meant to be interrupted by gravitational fields or asteroids or any obstructions so when people 
plug in their computers into hyperspace and they find a route it's basically saying this route this direct route you can travel faster than light speed and you're in theory not going to hit anything and that's what hyperspace lanes are meant to be that's what the prospecting was so the santeca clan are one of the most important families who actually utilize that and as i said the high republic has touched upon it in phase one phase two is 150 years prior to that which is around 350 to 400 years before the events of these comics so you know we're going further and further back but that's the santeca clan so while Ben, Law, and Luke are all heading to this Jedi Temple on Ifronna, Ben speaks with Snoke in his head. You see like speech bubbles come up that are Snoke speaking to him and Ben is speaking back in his mind. Ben is kind of mad at Luke in certain ways. He is a little bit jarred. He's like, oh, Luke always wants to go to these boring temples and then he grabs loads of stuff and then he puts it away in storage and then does nothing with it. And all the while that's happening, Snoke doesn't say a single bad thing about Luke Skywalker. Snoke even defends Luke and even says certain things that are for the Jedi. So the way that the level of manipulation here is so clever because at no point does Snoke try and push Ben away from Luke or anything like that. If anything, he's actually encouraging him to stay with Luke, which is a very very clever way you know very clever long game in a sense and then luke does make a comment to ben and says i'm really happy that you're here ben and he does also mention that maybe there's going to be some core old weapons that ben like ben has an intrigue into ancient weapons and luke says oh maybe there'll be some old weapons here for you because i know you're really into that sort of stuff and he just says i really appreciate you coming ben i'm, I'm really glad you're with us and there's moments like that that just make me so sad because like I love Kylo Ren um, and I, I love him as a villain in the sequel trilogy but seeing Ben Solo's fall it's especially as we go through these comics especially if you haven't read them yourself or you haven't checked out episode one when I you know obviously this is a redo so if you haven't had my original one it's just one of those things where Luke the more information we get of Luke in the sort of post Return of the Jedi era before The Last Jedi and stuff he really was trying and it is just so sad to see when you have these little moments that he was trying with Ben but Ben just didn't connect with Luke and as we unravel this further it just it it, it hits me emotionally in a way I didn't think it actually necessarily would. But anyway, so the trio gets to the temple, and it's a temple from the High Republic era, and Luke mentions there are traps and things that could be in an old temple, because Luke mentions that he's been to a temple before where he got a lightsaber, and there are loads of traps and things there. And that's actually a reference to Star Wars number six in the 2020 run, written by Charles Saul, unsurprisingly. If you want to hear all about Luke going to this uh, temple, getting a new lightsaber, and coming across a trap with a certain Inquisitor, I'll put it that way, Check out episode 73 of Comics and Canon because it's a really, really cool issue. So they get inside this temple and there's just tons of artifacts everywhere. There's holocrons, there's a lightsaber rifle, which is actually Jocasta Nu uses a lightsaber rifle in the Darth Vader 2017 run in issues 9 and 10. I tackled that in episode 66 of Star Wars Comics and Canon. That's also written by Charles Saw, unsurprisingly. And in amidst this, Luke also mentions that this might be the biggest find he's ever had since Jocasta Nu's cash. It might even be bigger than Jocasta Nu's cash, which once again is in the Darth Vader vader issues 9 and 10 which i tackled in that episode 66 so while they're in there looking around and things ben and luke then sense cold then the knights of ren show up ren's chest is burnt at this point and it wasn't obviously like that in crimson rain so we go back even further again this is when ben seemed to be about 12 i think the vibe i get i think kylo ren at the point of the sequel trilogy he's about 30 so i think he fell to the dark side around the age of 25 ish so i think at this point in the flashback he is around 12 so 
12 to 15 maybe. So this is probably about 15 years. So I think this is about halfway between uh, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens at this point. And that is when Ren, the leader of Knights of Ren, his chest is burnt. So we're slowly going back. So we are narrowing down when Ren got these burns, but that's not going to be answered in this uh, this episode, I'm afraid. I, I still want to know that information myself. But Luke Skywalker senses the dark in them, and he tells them all to leave because the stuff is his. He's the last Jedi. It's all Jedi artifacts. They don't deserve it, so they need to leave. Obviously, they don't leave, which is unsurprising, and Luke tells Ben to protect Law Santeca. Luke then fights six of the Knights of Ren all at once, very, very easily. He dodges every blow, uses the Force to push some of them out of the way, he disarms a lot of them, he hurts a couple of them, but not like actual proper wounds or anything. No, nothing serious, nothing that would be fatal. And he uses the Force to like lift up some of their weapons into the air, close his fist, and they all just shatter. So they are all pretty much useless. Ren then ignites his lightsaber, the Ren, and then he activates a kill switch on it, and he warns that it will blow up if it leaves his hand. Luke says, look, you can still leave. Ren thinks about it, and then decides that he will leave, because clearly Luke is incredibly strong, and they are basically outmatched. But early when Luke says he senses the dark side in all the Knights of Ren, Ren agrees with him at this point. He says, yes, you did sense the dark side here, but actually your young friend there has got the dark side in him too. I'm sure you can probably feel it. And Ren says to Ben, look, you can join us. If you want something a little bit different, if you want to explore the shadow a bit more, if you want something a little bit different to what this guy's offering you, contact us. And he leaves his helmet on the floor and then leaves with the rest of the Knights of Ren. So it cuts back to present day and you've got Ben who enters this temple Everything, all the artifacts and stuff have been, you know, taken by Luke and that sort of thing with Lord Santeca and etc. But Ren's helmet is still on the floor. So Ben picks up the helmet, he puts it on, and then he hears some communication and Ren contacts him. Ben mentions that Snoke sent him and Ren says, okay, if Snoke sent you, that's fine. We're currently on Vanrak, so come find us. So Ben then removes his helmet and then he turns around and the three Jedi are there, or Padawans, Vo, Henix, and Ty. And they say to him, there's nowhere left to run. And that's where issue number two ends. So let's move on to issue number three. So the Knights of Ren are at a bar and Ben approaches. He's looking a bit scuffed up and some of his robes are a bit damaged. And Ren says that they'll consider him joining if he has caused a good death. Ben said that he did and then decides to recount the story. So it goes back to where we left him at the end of issue two on Ilfrona in the Jedi Temple, where Vo and Henix have launched themselves at Ben and he counters them with his lightsaber. Ren asks who these people were to Ben, and so you get a flashback within a flashback, which shows Luke training Ben, and then the three Jedi I've just mentioned, Vo, Henix, and Ty, and then also there's like three other kids as well. But this is when they're quite young, they seem to only be maybe 10 at this point. So Ben goes into a bit more information about these three. He confirms that Vo had a hard time accepting Ben. He always bested her in lightsaber combat and any of the force lessons or anything like that. She just couldn't be herself. She was always trying to one-up Ben. And uh, I just want to read a bit of text here. This is something that Luke says about the Force, and I I love this. This is one of the things I think Charles Saul is just incredible. He has got so many great ideas and just any story that can kind of delve deeper into these ideas he has about the Force and things. And it comes out in the High Republic, because obviously I always say one of my favorite things about the High Republic is the interpretation of the Force by certain Jedi. You know, some people see it as water, songs, fire, all kinds of different things. Wookiees often see it as like trees and forests and whatnot. And so I really like that concept. So um, I just want to read out this thing that uh, Luke says. It's not too long. So you've got Vo looking at Ben levitating a rock, and Vo says, why is Ben so much stronger? I work just as hard as he does. 
And now this is what Luke says. Ben isn't stronger though. That's not how it works. The force can be a trickle, a stream, a river, a flood for anyone who can sense it. Think of yourself as a door. The wider you open, the more easily the force flows through you. And some people just start out with their door a bit more open, but any door can open wide. Now, I love that analogy. It's only short, but it's just, it speaks volumes because you've got characters like Obi-Wan who's not necessarily naturally gifted in the Force. His early days as a Padawan, he had to really, really try. He was just perceived as someone who's going to be like a run-of-the-mill average Jedi. But because he worked so hard at it and he had a teacher like Qui-Gon and obviously his upbringing things, he became one of the most powerful Jedi Masters in the Order. He wasn't naturally gifted from a start. He wasn't a chosen one or anything like that. He didn't have powerful lineage. He just worked at it. And he became arguably the greatest defensive fighter of the Jedi Order, at the very least over the last sort of century of the Skywalker Saga. But I would be very intrigued to see him sort of fight other people in the past. But obviously when he fights people such as Dooku or other people, he does seem to get beaten quite a lot. But he is a very talented swordsman, especially with his defensive style, which is Sarisu. But anyway, back from that tangent. So... We've heard a little bit about Vo, so then you hear a little bit about Henix. So Henix is the Quarren, and Henix was different to Vo. Vo thought the Force was a contest that she could win, while Henix thought the Force was a puzzle he could solve. And it shows him like opening a holocron after having a small amount of guidance from Luke, which is quite interesting. And then there's Ty. Now, Ben describes Ty as just being Ty, but we do get to see some flashback information about Ty. So... Ty noted that Ben has got like a box tightly locked inside of him. Ty notes that everyone's got a box inside of them that people can't enter. But Ben's is a lot bigger than most people's and is so tightly locked that it's just impenetrable. So Ty tells Ben, you just have to be yourself. All of yourself. People will accept you for it. You don't have to be afraid to show certain parts of you. And so with that in mind, it then moves back to the fight in which they're having, where you've got Ty, Henix and Vo all fighting in that temple with Ben. So while Ben is trying to fight off Vo and Henix's lightsabers, Ty is trying to influence him using the Force in some way. So Ben uses the Force to push Ty out of the way and then tries to leave. He jumps up like ridiculously high up this sort of cliff face and things and then Vo follows while yelling that he's a murderer. Henix can't quite jump that high so he has to find another way up and then Ty is kind of brushing himself off after being Force pushed into a wall and so Vo jumps up, lands where Ben is at the top of this cliff face thing, and then he uses the force to just push her away out of anger after she called him a murderer. You know, he's like, well, if that's what you want me to be, and pushes her. Then she starts to fall, and it's a really, really high cliff, so she's almost certainly going to die if she hits the ground. So he uses the force to hold her there so she doesn't fall all the way. But Henix at this point has already climbed up the side of this cliff, and all he sees is Ben force push Vo off the edge of this cliff. So Henix thinks that he's killed her. So he, in basically anger, throws his lightsaber at Ben. Ben manages to use the force to deflect the lightsaber back at Henix, but unfortunately drops Vo like halfway through her fall. Fortunately, Ty manages to catch Vo. I say catch loosely. She kind of falls on him and they both are seemingly okay. But as the lightsaber flings back at Henix, you hear a very loud yelp and you don't see what happened. Ben then goes down to where Vo and Ty are and he's obviously incredibly angry at this point because he just tried to save Vo and then someone tried to kill him and they're yelling him and calling him a murderer and all these sort of other things. So he lifts both Vo and Ty up with the force, throws them into the temple and then collapses the entrance so they can stop following him. It then goes back to Ben's conversation with Ren. Ren says that it was not a good death because he didn't really want to kill anyone there, but he can join for now. And so they get him some new clothes, he gets some cool black clothing and things, and then they decide to head off. Then it goes back and shows 
the aftermath of what happened in that interaction with Ren and the three Jedi. And it shows that Ty and Vo break out of the temple and say that Ben has lost his way, so they must stop him. And you see that Hennix is dead on the floor and he's got a massive lightsaber-sized cut out of his entire stomach. It seems like he was either cut in half or a big chunk of him was cut out. And obviously that's down to himself for throwing a lightsaber at Ben, Ben deflecting it and Hennix being unable to stop his own lightsaber coming at him or deflect it. So once again, a lot of these things are not actually Ben's fault necessarily. Yeah, he could have handled things in a different way, but he didn't maliciously go out with the intention of killing loads of Jedi. But obviously, it's nice to say that, and then you see him at the start of The Force Awakens where he just slaughters like loads of people. So he obviously does slowly fall, but we're going to get to that. So with Vo and Ty saying that they need to stop Ben because he's clearly lost, that's where issue number three ends. So we move on to the final issue number four. So issue four starts off on a planet Mimban. Now Mimban actually gets mentioned in Solo, a Star Wars story. That is actually where Solo is in that sort of war zone. That's when he meets Tobias Beckett and that whole crew. And it's like the sort of muddy dark world. It's also where he meets Chewie. And also Mimban actually got mentioned in the recent episode of Andor, Andor episode four. And funnily enough, as of recording this, I just released the Andor discussion show, the second episode of the discussion show, which um, is hosted by Jack at the moment, where Jack and a new Comics in Motion family member called Math both discussed episode four of Andor. And in that episode, Mimban actually gets mentioned both in the episode of Andor but also in the discussion show. That episode has been released on the feed of Comics in Motion, so whatever you're listening to this on a podcast app, you should be able to scroll back by like one episode, and then it will be the Andor discussion show. If you're listening on YouTube, then once again, the last episode that was uploaded, the last video that was uploaded, that will be the Andor discussion show as well. But anyway, back to issue number four of The Rise of Kylo Ren. So, on Mimban, Ren is threatening death to get some information from some miners in this place. Ben says that you don't need to kill them and he can get the information from them. He uses a variation of the Jedi mind trick that Snoke actually taught him. He's never used it before, but he uses it successfully. He kind of inserts himself into their mind and pulls out the information that they need. You get to see him do it to Poe Dameron in The Force Awakens and he does do it in other places. He tries to do it on Rey and things and he gets the information requested. He tells Knights of Ren that the artifact they're looking for is like three doors down behind this sort of red door or something and says, you know, we can go get it now. Ren says, wow, you are really helpful. That's that's brilliant. Thanks, Snoke was uh, maybe right about you. And so Ben says, right, so you'll release the miners and things. And Ren's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Knights release the miners. What do the knights do? They kill all of the miners. Ben is obviously shocked by this and is like taken aback by it. But the knights then continue their way through this mining area and continue to kill innocent miners throughout it. Ben doesn't kill any of these miners, and then Ren questions him, saying, time is running out to prove to us that you are committed. You know, we kill people, that's what we do. You just have to get on board with that, or you leave. While Ren and Ben are having this discussion, Vo and Ty then appear and call down to Ben from the entrance that they're in. Ben then looks up and ignites his lightsaber. Vo and Ty have a quick talk, and Vo decides she's going to go down and try and protect some of these miners, while Ty is going to try and confront Ben, because Ty is the closest to Ben of those Jedi. So Ben and Ty duel, but they're not going for it really. They're just kind of flashing lightsabers at each other while talking. Ty's telling Ben that he has a choice. He can still turn back. Every path has two directions. You Just because you've made some bad decisions and things doesn't mean that you can't be redeemed. You can come back. You can help. This can happen. And while they're having this conversation, you're seeing that Vo is holding her own against the Knights of Ren and protecting the miners. 
Ben is like then getting more frustrated with Ty, selling that he never had a choice. Both the light and the dark claimed him at birth. He says, do you have any idea what that's like, being pulled by both sides? And then he mentions that both Snoke and Luke don't even see him as a person. They see him as a legacy to their own gains. And then Ty says to Ben, yes, but you could bring light to the galaxy. You could make people's lives so much better. You could improve what's going on here. You need to just take charge of it all. And while this happens, then Ben manages to disarm Ty and his lightsaber clatters to the floor. Ty is then on his knees and he says to Ben, look, you just need to be who you need to be. You can kill me if you need to or don't. You have a choice. So Ben then extinguishes his lightsaber and stands there. Ty starts to say something else, but then Ty's neck snaps and he collapses to the floor. Ben is a bit confused by this. He starts to walk away, and then he turns back with a sad look on his face looking at Ty, because Ben was friendly with Ty. He did really like him, and Ty has never said anything horrible about Ben or anything like that, so it's quite a sad moment. And as he turns around and starts to leave, Ren is standing there, and Ben looks at him and says, you're the one who killed him. You're the one who snapped his neck. And Ren's like, yeah, I did. And he says to Ben, you clearly still fear the shadow. What are you so scared of? And Ben yells out in rage, I am the shadow. And then they have a duel. Now the artwork for this duel is absolutely incredible. The colour and also the art for all four of these issues by Will Sliney and Guri FX is incredible. The, this miniseries is my favourite miniseries of any Star Wars comic I've read. It's, it's so cool. And this fourth issue is just the ultimate crescendo. Everything I've discussed so far, obviously, I don't go into the details of the action because I always say to people, pick up comics. You can read these, all four of these on Marvel Unlimited or you can find them in other places. But I'd say try and buy them if you can because they're, they're just incredible. They're so good to read. And as I said, they're some of my favorites. But in this duel, the artwork is incredible. A very nice um, double-page spread where they're sort of fighting. But just before that fight really starts, you see uh, the mouth of a hooded figure mentions that they notice a change. They notice a change in Ben. And then it kind of expands in the double page spread. And you see a variety of people who feel Ben's change, this awakening in the dark side within him. Snoke notices it. Leia notices it and mutters to herself, oh, Ben. Vo notices it while she's fighting the Knights of Ren. The Knights of Ren notice it. And Palpatine notices it as well, because this came out after uh, The Rise of Skywalker. And Palpatine in his decrepit half cloned form thing that was on Exegol, he notices and he says to strike him down, which obviously is a very famous uh, Palpatine line, speaking to Ben to try and strike down Ren to kind of fulfill his destiny. But there's one other person who notices that I really, really like this little detail, and it's a young girl standing next to someone called Unkar Plutt on the planet of Jakku. And she says, I feel cold all of a sudden. And obviously that's Rey. So even Rey, when she's young, before she's met Ren, or before she even knows what the Force is or her connection... She feels the cold. She feels Ben's change, which I, I love that. It obviously furthers their connection, the whole diet of the Force and things. It kind of gets established in uh, The Last Jedi, but gets a name to it in uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Absolutely love that bit. But so Ben and Ren are then fighting. They're dueling and they fall down this ridiculously long shaft and they're speaking to each other. Ren says he can do whatever he wants because he is no one. And then Ben says that he can do anything he wants because he is special. And they're dueling and things. There's lightning all around them. But then they land. And the way they land is Ben lands with his lightsaber going through Ren's heart. And as it hits the ground, a shockwave is sent out. And all the knights of Ren and Vo all fall to the ground. And Ben says, as this happens, here's your good death. He then stands up and looks around, and he sees that Vo is on the floor as well. He walks up to her, barely says anything, and then just stabs her straight through the chest as well, with Ren's red blade. The Knights of Ren then kneel to him, 
and then the Knights of Ren, along with Ben, all leave. The place that they're in seemingly explodes. I would presume they got this artifact thing they were looking for, I, I guess. It doesn't seem to get mentioned elsewhere. And they're on the Knights of Ren's ship. While they're in there, Ben goes off by himself and starts to tweak his lightsaber. He takes his crystal out, which obviously is blue, and he grabs it and squeezes it hard. He squeezes it so hard and his eyes are going red and orange and things and he's like screaming out and there's red lightning shooting out of him and the whole ship is getting taken over by this red lightning and the Knights of Ren are getting covered by this as well and they're sort of looking a little bit concerned. And Ben thinks about his family and his friends and things and he's squeezing this crystal harder and harder and then the crystal breaks and splits. He opens up his palm and the crystal is cracked but it is now red. His hand is completely dripping with blood because obviously he squeezed the crystal so hard and he's just holding it here, this now crimson cracked crystal while the blood is just dripping off his hand onto the floor. And he picks up this crystal, he puts it in his old lightsaber and he ignites it. It crackles to life and it light shoots out of it and things but it seems to overheat. He turns it off, he adjusts it and things and adds a couple of sides, the cross guards. The lightsaber turns on, it doesn't seem to overheat it's got the iconic cross guard that he has. And then the last thing, the last bit of dialogue that you hear in this issue is someone say to him, what is your name? And that is where the comic ends. Now we'll add here that what he basically did was he bled his lightsaber crystal. It's one of my favorite things uh, about the new canon and while also being something that I really liked the way they did it in Legends as well. So in Legends, you've got the Sith, and what they basically did is they created their own lightsaber crystals. They create a synthetic kyber crystal. And when you create a synthetic kyber crystal in Legends, that's why they become red, which I think is a really good reason, and it makes a lot of sense in Legends and things, and I quite like that explanation. However, what Charles Saul did in his 2017 run of Vader comics, and he does it, I believe, in, I think it's issue six of the 2017 run of Vader comics, and I think I tackled that around episode like 62 or 64, around that part. If you're on YouTube, you can check out the Darth Vader playlist. And if you're listening on a podcast app, just type in Comics in Motion Darth Vader, and then you'll see whatever episode I called it. It would be the, the first volume of Darth Vader comics, issues one to six. And in that, I think in the title, I might even put uh, Vader Bleeds His Lightsaber Crystal. You get to see Vader do it. And it's an incredible scene. I really recommend people pick up those comics just so you can see the, the artwork. It's amazing. But in the canon, it's basically that a dark side user, basically a Sith usually, uh, has to bleed a lightsaber crystal. Normally, they kill someone, get their lightsaber crystal, and then they hold it, feel bad vibes and anger and energy and all that, pour their dark side energy into this crystal. And in doing so, it kind of wounds the crystal because the kyber crystals are like somewhat alive. They have like a degree of semi-consciousness I suppose and it's kind of like a tree I, I kind of view the kyber crystals in a sense and when they do that it then bleeds the crystal and then it becomes red and that's how the Sith do it that's how Dark Side users do it in the new canon really cool idea I really like that but that's what Kylo Ren did and obviously his lightsabers are called crackly and all different and it looks amazing and really cool and that's because when he did his bleeding it wasn't a full bleed it wasn't a clean bleed like Vader's was he was conflicted when he thought of his friends and family that's what made it crack so uh, I just I want to give a bit more weight to that sort of element of things but I would really recommend people if you're going to pick up any issue of Rise of Kylo Ren pick up the fourth one just the artwork is just phenomenal I can't can't talk about it enough but that, my friends, is the end of this episode. So I'm now going to go into some of the information of what's coming up and those sort of things. So obviously, I mentioned slightly earlier that there's the Andor series uh, that's out at the moment. Obviously, there's the three-episode premiere, and then we're going to have 12 episodes this season, and then there's going to be a series two, I imagine, next year, and I think there's going to be another 12 episodes for that. 
So myself and Jack, who is one of the pop gorillas, he also does Seasons Greetings of Tony, and he's done a variety of other shows on the Comics and Motion feed. Him and I have decided to co-host the Star Wars uh, weekly discussion shows, but instead of both doing it at the same time, we're doing alternate. So we both did the first episode together. We're going to do the finale together, but all the ones in between, we're going to be alternating. So episode four is now up. Jack spoke with a new member of the Comics and Motion family called Math, and you can hear their hour-long discussion on episode four of Andor. Then next week is going to be myself and Dave of Comics in Motion. There may be another guest joining us as well, but for now it's just going to be myself and Dave. We're going to be talking about episode five of Andor. And then the week after that, episode six is going to be Jack, and it's just going to go back and forth like that. So obviously make sure you subscribe to Comics in Motion, and then you get to hear those. Or if you're listening on YouTube, just stay subscribed to my uh, YouTube channel, and then you will get to hear our discussions on the Andor shows. Some of them are going to have video, some of them not, just because certain uh, individuals don't necessarily want to have video of themselves online which is completely fine. So that's why some of the episodes are going to have video and some won't. Uh, the ones with myself will primarily have video unless one of my guests specifically doesn't want it. But that's what's going on in Comics in Motion with um, Star Wars stuff of the Andor. At the moment, there's also a She-Hulk discussion show going on at the moment as well. And I think the day after this episode releases, uh, this Rise of Kylo Ren episode releases, there'll be myself and Megan talking with Tonya and Dan about she-hulk episode seven i believe it is um so very excited to talk about that we're actually recording that tonight as of this recording for you uh so if you want to hear more from me you can hear me on the andal discussion shows you can hear jack on the andal discussion shows you can hear myself and megan give our thoughts on she-hulk as well there's loads of other cool things on the comics emotion feed uh, and the she-hulk episodes will not be uploaded to my youtube channel so you will have to go to comics emotion uh, the podcast app of your choice you can do it on spotify or wherever and you can listen to that episode there in addition to that, what else is going on? Well, I'm thinking that next week is probably going to be the final batch of the Crimson Rain crossover comics. So that'll be Crimson Rain number five, as well as the you know connected issues of um, Doctor Aphra, Darth Vader, Bounty Hunters, and Star Wars. Then the week after that, I think I'm going to do the Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries comics. So there's five of those, uh, so I'm excited to tackle those. Then I imagine what I'm going to be doing is kind of like every other week, I'm going to continue to uh, make us caught up with the ongoing comic runs. So there's about three issues between, like Crimson Rain is finished, for, and then the next thing is going to be Hidden Empire. And there's about three issues of Bounty Hunters, Star Wars, Darth Vader, and Doctor Aphra between the end of Crimson Rain and the start of Hidden Empire. There might be four issues. I'll have to see next month once we actually get the... Once I get Hidden Empire, I'll actually have a better idea. But there's going to be about three issues um, of in-between episodes. So what I'm going to do there, instead of doing three episodes where it's just like one each, I'm going to make it a bit more concise and a bit more uh, connected. So what I'm probably going to do is do Afra and Vader or something, um, and they're three issues each in, in one episode. So I'll be tackling six issues. And then a week or two later, I'll then do the same with Star Wars and with Bounty Hunters. Uh, so I'm just going to see when the final issues of those released before Hidden Empire, and then I'll kind of go from there. And then we can kind of have those connected issues before we delve into Hidden Empire. And then obviously Hidden Empire will be the thing taking over. Um, I'll be doing that once a month um, until it ends. So it starts in October time. I imagine it will run for five issues, much like War of the Bounty Hunters and Crimson Rain did. Uh, so that will keep us uh, happy till the end of the year, if not really uh, the start of next year. In addition to that, I've got there's some IDW publishing comics. So there's Clone Wars Battle Tales I keep promising to do. There's the Tales of Vader's Castle, but it's the third volume of those, which is the Ghosts of Vader's Castle. So I'll aim to get that out around Halloween. There's also going to be Tales of the Rancor Pit, which is another Cavern Scott anthology horror series. So that'll be around Halloween as well. 
In addition to that, I am still reading Midnight Horizon, so I am going to try and get that uh, review out very, very soon because the next wave of the, or the phase two of the High Republic stuff is starting to come out. And obviously I want to try and get on that, but I need to make sure I finish the Midnight Horizon review before I dove into those things. In addition to that, there is another mini-series that's been starting. There's something called Star Wars Revelations, which is like a one-off comic that's going to be interesting to tackle. There's also Star Wars 25, which is going to be interesting to tackle because I've read that and that's four sort of short-ish stories as a kind of a celebration of Star Wars because I think it's Charles Saul's like 100th comic release under the Star Wars banner. So there's those things that are coming out. There's also a Yoda miniseries that is starting quite soon. But obviously with all miniseries, there's one issue a month. And then if a miniseries is four, five or six issues, then I can't really tackle that until it's finished. Uh, so Yoda probably won't be tackled until sort of early 2023. Then there's also another miniseries coming out, which I can't remember for the life of me what it is. So I'll have to figure that out. But then there's also the High Republic comics coming out. I know there's a couple of one shots within that. I think Quest of the Jedi is one of those. So I'll be tackling that at some point as well as giving an overview of phase two of the high republic once i've also read some of those books as well so that's generally what you could expect uh, going forward is some more high republic stuff as we go into full swing uh, some in-between issues before hidden empire starts hidden empire and then a few mini series as they pop up and obviously the han solo and chewbacca mini series i think that's finishing at the end of 2022 if not the very start of 2023 so i'll tackle volume two of that the start of uh, 2023 as well in addition to that, my friends, please make sure you subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. It really helps the show out. Make sure you share on social media with all your friends. You tell people about Star Wars, uh, comics and canon, because obviously you never have to read a single Star Wars comic in your life. So if you know any Star Wars fans, please send them my way, either on YouTube or in the podcast app. Obviously, listen to all the amazing shows on the Comics Emotion feed. And if you want to support me as a content creator, go over to patreon.com slash genuine chitchat. For as little as £1 a month, you get access to loads and loads of hours of additional content. Myself and Megan do afterthoughts on there. I release exclusive Star Wars book reviews on there mainly Legends stuff that I'm getting through I'm going to release the uh, Darth Bane book three uh, over the coming weeks as well oh, I need to record it and then I'll be releasing that and uh, yeah you just get a better insight into what I'm up to you get to hear myself and Megan talk and Megan give me a lot of rubbish for stuff uh, it's quite a fun a lot of people really like the bands that we have between us so we've got a few of those um, well I've got hundreds of afterthoughts there so hours and hours of additional content and it's only one pound a month to get access to all of those audio things you get access to the exclusive feed as well as loads of other cool stuff so please consider checking that out but that's gonna be enough for me my friends thank you so much for listening as always i appreciate each and every one of you listening make sure you check out the and or show i'll talk to you next week and as always may the force be with you the intro for star wars comics and canon is arranged by myself mike burton and the backing music was made by eric matias of soundimage.org you have just experienced host creator everything else of genuine chit chat and also the host and creator of star wars comics and canon found on the comics in motion podcast mike burton